Podcast. I'm Alison Morgan, business coach at Relauncher. The countdown is on for Relauncher's first workshop for 2019. It's in Perth on the 16th of January, with the theme being Reset and Celebrate. There'll be a workshop followed by music, drinks, and nibbles. You'll find all the details and the tickets at relauncher.com.au. Today, Joe Eleanor joins us. Joe is the creator of Calligraphy on Vogue. Joe's philosophy is that calligraphy bridges the gap between digital and traditional handwritten words to make a statement and lasting connection. She loves creating the feel good moment of receiving beautiful calligraphy and stationery products. Joe is a firm believer in personal connections and creating exciting calligraphy designs that wow guests, inspire design, and create a lasting connection long after the champagne has been popped. Hi, Joe. Welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Hi, Alison. Thanks for having me. I'm well. That's great to hear. So I've been following you on social media and I absolutely love that we, the work that you're doing. Before we get into the work, I would love to learn a little bit more about you. I moved to Sydney when I was 17. Um, before that, I grew up in the Central Coast and I, you know, typical story, I left the Central Coast to go to uni. I did a four-year degree in podiatry. Um, and then that saw me through to, um, obviously graduation and I worked in private practice for a while. I sort of, as soon as I left uni, I, um, sort of was in the process of setting up my own clinic as well. So I was sort of at the beginning sort of working for other clinicians and practices and sort of um, doing my own thing on the side as well. So I probably did about two years with some really amazing clinics and I learned a lot from other practitioners. And then I went, you know, full steam ahead with my own thing. And I had, I had that practice for, for 10 years. God, that makes sense. Wow. Is that in Sydney? really old. (laughs) Don't worry, yes. I say 20 years these days, so 10 sounds young. So it was well, that in Sydney? Yes, I was in the eastern suburbs. I was in Rose Bay. Um, and I, yeah, and I really, really enjoyed that. And I love podiatry. And at the time, I could never have imagined ever doing anything else. Like, I just mm. felt like it was my whole life, my whole world. It was what I, I guess, I identified with and, you know, it became sort of part of my personality, I guess. But um, I guess like everything in life, it sort of starts to throw you curveballs. So um, about year nine of the practice, I um, had my do- my first daughter and obviously in that time got married and um, I had my first child and um, that was going okay. I mean, you, I, you would understand like Sydney traffic is crazy. So I was no longer living in the Eastern suburbs and driving, you know, an hour and a half every day in traffic. So it was starting to get to the point where I was feeling like, you know, how long will this be sustainable for? What do I want to do? Um, and then we got a really big curveball in that I fell pregnant again. Um, and this time we were having twins Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yes. So that kind of, um, yeah, that really cemented 
the idea that I needed to, it was time to go and I needed to sort of um, find something that was going to work better for my lifestyle. And the idea was at the time was just to have something closer to home and, yeah. and you know, be able to be flexible with mum hours and sort of really enjoy also being a mum because I do also really love that side of my life as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so sold that practice and then found myself at home with three children under under two at one point. <laughs> Which, yeah, crazy. Mm, <laughs> um, and, yeah, but the, for the funny thing was like as much as you're busy, you do, I, you know, was starting to feel really restless and that's kind of when I, um, you know, sort of started focusing more on this hobby that I had, which was calligraphy and I just loved doing it. And, yeah, it kind of just all sort of stemmed from there. So that's kind of where that journey started, just really out of nowhere. And never did I ever think that, you know, my life would go from being a medical practitioner to being an artist. But, yeah, yeah, that was kind of this weird transition. (laughs) These things happen when you have children and... And usually it's out of a need of needing to create a flexible lifestyle and you're forced to look within and do some massive soul searching that you would never do if you remained like in a corporate environment. And somehow you pop out the end quite a different person and you go through this, you know, inner journey at the same time. So my question is, were you always uh, artistic or is this something that popped up when you sort of thought, my goodness, I need to create something that's going to give me more of a flexible lifestyle? I definitely think, see, the funny thing is, is if you had asked me that before I started doing a creative job, I would have said no. But I think that's a big misconception that a lot of people have that, you know, in order to be a creative person, you need to have, like, you need to be good at drawing or you need to be good at, you know, you need to, you know, have an artist workshop in your garage and paint all day long. Like, that's kind of the misconception, I think, that is very much out there about, you know, are you a creative person? I, I, I think the one thing that I've realised about this journey is that I think everyone has a creative side. It's just about whether you have that, you know, whether you have that opportunity to pursue it and sort of develop it into something that ends up becoming your new passion. Um, looking back, you know, I always came from a fan, like my, my background's Italian, both my parents are Italian, so it's very much part of the culture to, you know, know how to, like, I know how to knit, I know how to sew, like, I know how to make stuff. And it was just always something that was considered normal. Like, no one would ever say, oh, you've got a creative side or it just, yeah. Yes. So you look back and you realise that you had influences, but I never would have said that before. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, then. So tell us about the calligraphy. So the calligraphy kind of evolved really organically in the sense that I was just sort of doing it as a hobby and something as a pastime. And a lot of people will tell you that have creative jobs, you know, it sort of started out as, oh, you know, friends will ask you to do something or people will sort of comment and say, oh my God, wow, like how beautiful is what you're doing? And so I thought, oh, I'll, I'll have an Instagram page because mainly because I loved following other people that did calligraphy and, you know, there's a lot of Instagrams, an amazing resource for inspiration. 
um, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I feel so inadequate, but <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I thought I'll, I'll put up an Instagram and, you know, at least then my friends can see what I'm up to and I can feel like I've got some sort of purpose at the moment. Um, and it kind of just really went from there. You know, I, I, you know, started doing projects for friends and then I would do things for friends of friends. And then I think with any of this sort of business, there was, and I guess having had a business for 10 years, I sort of got to a point where I was like, okay, well, what do I want to do with this? Like, is this going to be something that I want to do or is this just a hobby that I, you know, do occasionally when I feel like it? So I kind of realized that there could be a really big market for it and, and that there was other artists out there, you know, even as close as Sydney that were doing this as a full-time job and it was a legitimate business and there was a need out there for, um, for what we do. And yeah, it was just sort of went from there. And then I think I sort of met the right people at the right time, you know, other creative people that were doing it as a job. And it sort of like started to become a bit of a reality that, there is actually jobs out there that don't require a degree or some mm. sort of like qualification or something. So yeah, it kind of all just went from there. And I think once I had sort of decided that I was going to pursue it as a job, um, everything kind of just falls into place. You know, you have that learning curve of, you know, how can I find prospective clients? Like what sort of things, you know, can I do that's maybe unique to me or, you know, developing your own style and having your own signature and being a little bit different to everybody else to sort of, you know, in a way sort of put your own spin on things. So I guess it kind of built from there. So I'm assuming a lot of people have found you through Instagram for jobs. Is that correct? Yes, very much so. And would you say that that's your primary driving force for business? Yes, absolutely. Wow. Okay. And so are you doing invitations or event placements or what kind of execution um, are you doing? It's kind of um it's kind of a really mixed bag at the moment. I think, you know, it's still in that phase where I'm trying to to see where I want it to go. I would say the majority of the work that I do at the moment is very much um PR and company related you know we do a lot of brand brand work we do um activations we do do wedding stuff as well but I find that I just seem that I sort of seem to draw more of a commercial sort of fashion lifestyle um sort of clientele so that's kind of the direction that I've been going in because that's sort of what seems to appeal to me and seems to appeal to my audience so yeah I would say probably more of a corporate and a business you know branding side of things rather than so much just bridal have have you sought out work yourself or have most people come to to you like have you have you pitched your services to anyone or are they coming to you (laughs) I've never pitched to anyone mainly because it's not that I would be against it, don't get me wrong. It's more so the fact that I just wouldn't, I I didn't have sort of any marketing or PR background. I certainly didn't know anything about it before sort of now. So in all honesty, it probably would have done so. I just didn't know how to um, 
how to it's sort of approach that situation. Yeah. yeah. The, reason no. why, the yeah. reason why I'm asking is because um, you don't necessarily have to do it, but because you're attracting PR agencies and they would all, you know, obviously got your kind of clients to be creating work for, um, you could almost like create a list of PR agencies that have got clients as your target audience because, you know, not all PR agencies have got clients that you would necessarily uh, align with and literally just pitch to them like your portfolio in a really tailored manner and you would pick up work because PR agencies are always, always looking for like new venues, new products to do send outs with because you usually never send a send out of a product just by itself. You know, it's usually accompanied by something. So if you if you pitched yourself, you'd pick up so much business. I but think the funny I think Sorry. the thing, a lesson that I sort of learnt a little bit in that as well was, and I did get some really amazing advice sort of early on, which I think really propelled a lot of what I was doing, was the fact that I think it really, for me, has come down to good branding. Yeah. And I think being really clear about who I am, what I like, what I'm interested in, what I gravitate towards... And I think a lot of the clients that I have picked up and a lot of the brands that I have worked with are really um, really reflective of the brands that I always wanted to work with. Yeah. And I think, yeah, and I think as, mu- as much as I think pitching is a great thing, it just didn't feel organic and natural to me, I guess because I never was in that space and I just didn't really know how to approach it without... Yeah. Like if it's something that you don't need to do, that's amazing. That's amazing. There's so many businesses. Well, there's a lot of businesses, you know, they, they set up their business, they put the website live or they got their product and then it's crickets and it's like far out, what am I going to do to drum up business? And so yeah. sometimes you do have to pitch yourself uh, and no one feels confident in doing it and no one really wants to do it. But some, some businesses you do have to do it just to get it started. And I think the important thing to remember is that you might, I might not have necessarily pitched, um, you know, in order to, for these, you know, in order to necessarily get that contact, but there certainly is a huge amount of pitching that goes on even after, you know, they might've found you and they might've sort of reached out to you and said, you know, we've got this idea or whatever, but it is very much you know, there, it is like any other job. There, it is a competitive market and there is a lot of people in the space. So I think the pitching definitely does come down to having a really clear understanding about what they want to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. What they want to get out of my service. You know, like it's all well and good to say the handwriting is beautiful, but, you know, there also needs to be some sort of return on investment. And I think that has worked really well, approaching it in a way where, it's valued as an investment and it's not just seen as, you know, just an accessory that can, um, you know, just something that's there to look pretty. Yeah, that makes absolutely. Sense. Yeah. Have, you, have there been any challenges in the business so far? Because you've been going for 18 months, which to me, you, you're still in the thick of it, of, of yeah. being established. Have, have you experienced many challenges so far? Oh, my gosh, where do I start? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a, a challenge would be managing the job as well as a young family, without a doubt. We don't even need to go into that one because <laughs> yeah. we could sympathise yeah. with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I think good support in that 
has definitely helped a lot. But I think the biggest challenges, you can probably categorically put them into different things. I mean, there's always a creative challenge of needing to be innovative and, you know, needing to bring something to the table that doesn't necessarily, you know, I think with Instagram, it's beautiful on the one hand, but it is very difficult on the other in the sense that within three or four weeks, you'll find that everybody is doing the same thing and something that was considered different or innovative is no longer, you know, it really moves at a ridiculous rate. It does. Yeah. So trying to always come up with something new is really hard. Um, I think, I think it's always the, the biggest hurdle I think in this business is always trying to go back to, what do I want to achieve in the long term? Like what is my long-term goal? Is working for this client necessarily serving that purpose or is it just a stopgap in between? Like, you know, with these sort of businesses, you can evolve so rapidly, but then you look back in 12 months and go, is this even where I wanted to be 12 months ago? So that's definitely a challenge to always try and keep the end goal in mind. Mm. Um, I think another challenge for us would probably be the conversation between different clients and different things is so different. Like if you think about the sort of motivations and conversations that you would have with a bride for her wedding day is so different to the conversation that I would have with you know, a luxury designer company that wants to see sales results, that wants to see what sort of value having a live event would bring. And, you know, it's such a different, you know, you feel like you are a different person for every client. So that's a, that's a biggie for me, I think, um, coming from a job where I was really very much like, this is, you know, you have a title, you have a degree, you already have that, um, that, I guess, self-actualization from everybody else of what it is that you do and that you're qualified to do what you do. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Another thing that I think is probably a big hurdle in this business is having to learn to be a graphic designer, having to learn to be – it's not just, okay, so you can write beautiful calligraphy and you can, you know, put a pen to paper – it's evolved to so much beyond that. Like I need to be able to digitize calligraphy. I need to be able to create stationery. I need to be able to. So that was a, that was definitely a huge hurdle and still trying to figure out, you know, which one of those skill, like at what point do you say, okay, I don't need that skill. I'm not going to focus on that. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh my goodness. goodness. (laughs) How how many jobs would you have going on at once? Or I I guess it varies a lot. Well, at the moment we're in um, sort of the end of the year. So it's insanely busy at the moment. Um, I'm literally working like all hours of the day and night, but you know, it is obviously peak season for weddings. It's peak season for absolutely for brands, you know, wanting, um, besides all of the normal sort of PR work that I do and, and the wedding stuff that I do, we have a huge, brands have a huge demand at the moment for live events. So they want an artist to be on site and delivering something to a customer that is necessarily going to drive a sale with their brand and their business over a competitor. So there's, you, you know, all those hours as well where I'm actually not even in the studio. I'm on site with customers and, yeah. 
Wow. So, yeah, at the moment it's insanely busy. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you how many clients I've got. But mm. on an average week we would at least have probably 10 projects on the go of varying, like, difficulty and and time. But, yeah. Incredible. It is a crazy <laughs> time of the year. You know, for me, every every year in December and January, like as a business coach, it's the busiest year. I mean, sorry, busiest time. It goes crazy. Everyone gets frantic. So, like, I'll have my 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 um in my business as usual clients, which I've always got, and then always new people will come and contact me, and like they'll want to get in straight away. And it's like far out. It's just like I'm poking poking holes in my calendar are going right you can go there you can go there and I end up working Sundays because I have to get everyone in it's really interesting everyone starts really thinking about their business at this time it's funny isn't it Mm. and I think I think again it probably comes down to um it comes a lot I feel down to the fact that there's so it's so easy to compare yourself as a business to others now I mean you look at other people's Instagram page and you see like you know, like, for example, in the calligraphy world, like, we start talking about, like, we've been talking about Christmas since August, September. Yeah. Because, yeah, and I feel like, oh, my God, Christmas is already here. But in in my previous job, like, you know, Christmas was, like, the 23rd of December. Like, I used to go shopping on Christmas Eve. <laughs> so I think it's definitely a little bit too little too late if you're sort of getting to December and feeling like you didn't plan for that. Yeah. Especially product-based business or you're a business that really is centered around sales at Christmas Mm. if you're calling a business coach in December it's probably a little bit no see it's interesting they're not calling me now for Christmas they're they're calling me now to go I really need to like uh like get plans for next year so it's never a one-off session package like we've been together for (laughs) quite a while so they're actually smart you know because they're actually thinking gosh I need to it'll it'll, everyone the reason why people contact me is always different always different and quite often the businesses are pumping and thriving and they want to be scaling or they want to be readdressing staff and management and and focuses so it's interesting but I think it's the trigger of the end of the year for people to kind of reflect reflect and evaluate yep. as to where they want to be going for the next year. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm already thinking to myself, like, what is next year? And look, you know, very much so with the calligraphy business, you know, scalability is always sort of the on the top of my mind to at some point say, like, at what point do you sort of try to figure out how you can make this work without you know, because when you're an artist, it very much is about you and what you do. And, you know, so it very much centers around the hours that I do. And I would, you know, and that's something that I definitely need to do as well is start looking at how can I, you know, not be the person that does everything and, and find a way to scale a business that, it's very hard to scale. <laughs> you know what you end up doing? You actually end up looking at additional streams of revenue because sometimes you don't want to scale, but it's the natural first consideration. So it just depends yeah. on whether you do want to be managing people and when you manage people, then the overheads increase and, you know, there's so many things to consider. But, yeah, I mean, because yours is so hands-on and it's your creative inspiration that is coming out. That's yeah. right, and it's not really like it just wouldn't work that you would then go and hire another. That's right. Yeah. It's such a, it's, it's such a job that's so fraught with, 
you know, it always feels like, you know, like even at the stage right now, I couldn't imagine physically being able to just do more hours. Mm. Like, yeah, so that's always the problem, isn't it? Figuring it is. out how it is. You, but there's, there's certain things you can do because you, you could end up, Oh my gosh, this conversation goes forever. But you could end up like collaborating with someone with a different school, a skill and teaming up and forming like another business. There's yes. those kind of things. And then th- those services you can then price at a very different price point. And quite often that, that business will end up taking over yours just from like a, a cash standpoint and just being like a smart smart move in terms of career direction so there's so many things you can do but it doesn't necessarily have to stay in the same business format as what you've got now Mm. yeah so hard isn't it because it is one of those things that it's not really tangible in terms of like you know when you've got a product or but in look in that being said you know I'm very much sort of started steering towards um having you know, not just being about, um, you know, the beauty of calligraphy and something that people enjoy, but actually having a functionality and serving businesses as well. So one of the sort of products and things that I'm sort of focusing on at the moment and and into the new year is creating business stationery, um, which a lot of people will say to you, oh, you know, business cards are dead. But I really don't agree. I... I think that business stationery is really important and I think in this sort of very digital world, everything has become very inauthentic. So we're finding that, and it really does stem from a lot of the PR work that I do, we're finding that in order to get a lot of cut through and really feel like you've got a personal connection with your clients and your customers, a handwritten note or having beautiful stationery or having things that you can send to someone personally just makes so much of a difference in terms of just having another touch point where you can communicate with your clients on a completely different level. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I was at an event last night and there were these amazing girls that I met that are from a, they've just started a new business actually and they're stylists and they, they passed me the most beautiful card and I just met them yeah. and they said to me do you have a business card and I said no I used to and I don't anymore and and I've been asked for a business cards so many times in the last week and I was like you know what I'm going to bring them back I'm going to bring them back yeah We're I am starting a new trend you know yeah. what I think people think you know there's a couple of factors I think it's very much you know it's an intangible feeling that you're creating for someone And it's like the same concept as we say to ourselves, like, why do I like this person's Instagram page over another person's? Or what is it about this business that I, that resonates with me? It's a really hard question that people often can't answer, but it's the little things that really create that feeling. And I think that that's what calligraphy really serves on a deeper level is just, it's not just about saying, oh, okay, well, here's some nice handwriting because my handwriting's shocking. Um, it really is about creating that feel-good moment for people. I I think people have really forgotten how nice it feels to actually get a proper handwritten thank you card. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to get a calligrapher to do that. The key is to have really beautiful stationery. So even if your handwriting is not great, um, it doesn't really matter. It's the point of the fact that someone feels like you've sat down and 
and actually thought about what you're going to say to someone. It's so different to sending a thank you email or, you know, and a lot more effective than sending flowers and wine every time you have, you know, a great dealing with a client. And I often think that really for me um, and probably for a lot of other people, the thing that I really remember the most about a business is the end of the transaction. You know, like things can go really great and you can have a really great experience with a business and then it kind of feels like that they're just gone and out of your life and it's a little bit, you know, like it just doesn't, it feels like maybe from their end you were just a customer. Um, so I think it's really about building a really great relationship and people really talk about like how do you get someone to refer you to 50 other people or how do you get someone to leave a great review and I think it's little things like that like going that extra step to you know sending someone a card saying you know it was amazing working with you I hope things work out or thank you so much for buying our product what did you think we'd love to know yeah you know so, I couldn't agree more. In fact, you've just got yourself another customer. <laughs> I'm going to get some stationery from you. If you can, if you can squeeze me in. <laughs> I can absolutely fit you in. Um, oh, my gosh. This is, this is such an interesting conversation based on, like, my experience just going to these events in the last week yeah. and people yeah. handing out business cards and I was, like, completely, like, no, I've had enough. I'm, I'm decluttering. I don't need any more paper to this conversation because you are absolutely right. And I know I get sent a lot of gifts as well from companies and the ones to me that stand out, the ones that are beautifully um, wrapped, but the handwritten notes that come with them, I love. Yeah. Look, packaging is really powerful and I know that's not very environmentally friendly and I'm so sorry that I'm an advocate of it because I know on the one hand, you know, there is environmental factors behind it. But at the same token, people really want to feel like they're getting, you know, it's about taking a product and turning it into an experience. There has got to be a reason why millions of people watch unboxing videos on Mm. Instagram and YouTube. Like there is definitely something, it's something intangible behind it that we just love. Like it's the reason why we love going to Maya and getting a fragrance that comes in a really nice box and they'll give you like a gift pack and they'll wrap it nicely. And, you know, you look at companies like Jo Malone, I think like a massive driver of their sales is the fact that it comes in a beautiful box and they wrap it with amazing little ribbons and they give you a matching card that goes, like all of that really adds to the shopper experience and it adds to the receiver's experience. And I just would love to be able to recreate that. Mm. for business as well um, because it's something so simple. And the other thing is practicality behind it as well. You know, people don't realise that you go out and buy a pack of cards and you're spending like, what, $8 on a printed impersonal card that says nothing about your business, that isn't personalised, it doesn't have your branding colours, it's not something that represents you or your business. It's just another card that people will sort of go, oh, okay, that was nice, but it's not associating the business in all yes. of that. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, I really feel like it's something that people can really get so much out of, but it's about, yeah, it's something so intangible that it is you either get it or you don't. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, Joe. okay, so, Joe, where can everyone find you? I think if you tell everyone your URL as well as your Instagram handle, that would be wonderful. Yes. So Instagram is Calligraphy on Vogue. So that's Calligraphy 
with an E-N and Vogue um, after it. And you can, and it's really fun there. You know, you can see lots of what I do. We do videos. We post lots of beautiful fashion stuff, lots of events, um, lots of table settings. So it's not just about the writing. It's also about what you can do with it and just for anyone that's like me that just loves beautiful things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And the website is www.calligraphyonvogue.com. Perfect. Jo, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. 